ready to go. Okay. Perfect. Let's start. Yeah, I, I do it. Thank you. I know you don't have any questions right now because you are focused on pharmacology. You are going to have all the questions on the weekend. Don't call me. I don't answer on weekends. Okay? And it's going to be the number that you dial is completely disconnected until Monday. Okay? Perfect. What are the learning objectives? Again, following the head to toe, we have been studying the ear, the nose, and now we are going to continue with the mouth and throat. Okay? Um, what are the learning objectives of this class? Is to diagnose and manage the following diseases uh, of the teeth gum based on the pathogenesis, a clinical presentation, and physical exam findings for the following. Early childhood caries, adult dental caries, gingivitis, gingival overgrowth or hyperplasia. Describe the risk uh, factors, pathophysiology, clinical presentation, diagnosis and treatment of the following infectious inflammatory disorders. Aftus ulcers, candidiasis, leukoplakia, herpes simplex, and epiglottitis. And finally, we're going to describe the etiology risk factors, pathophysiology, clinical signs and symptoms, selection and interpretation of appropriate diagnostic and lab studies, and provide steps in the management for the following infection inflammatory disorders, laryngitis, peritonsillar abscess, pharyngitis, tonsillitis, silinitis, and parotiditis. Today is the ITIS day. Okay. Now, what is the dental caries? And we're going to talk about this more in next semester because we're going to be having a we're going to have a class together with the dental hygiene students. That is an interdisciplinary class. And usually the PAs has a bad joke: no mental, no dental. That means that you know are so experts in that areas, but they are very important for the diagnosis of a lot of diseases. And some diseases are linked. If you don't have a good dental care, you are precipitating other diseases in the general body, and vice versa. This is why we need to be very aware that some diseases are in our mouth, okay? This is what I make fun when you go to the mouth and the throat without your pen light because that is going to guide you at the tone depressor. The uh, buccal cavity is very complex, has a lot of tissues. I always say that is a cave. It's humid, it's dark, and you're going without your torch and without your spade to see what you're going to have in the middle, tapping teeth and do everything. If you don't do that, you're not going to discover a lot of diseases. And just for your information, mouth is also a very frequent place for a lot of cancers that are misdiagnosed. And usually it's the dental hygienist or the, someone else or the dentist who discovered a, a very advanced cancer because we didn't explore or do co the correct physical exam. Meow. You're going to miss my meows. Okay? <laughs> okay. What is the dental caries? It's a decay of the tooth enamel. The enamel is the protection, okay, and I have here dental hygiene students. If I did something wrong, please forgive me, and a humble medical doctor, 
okay? But it's more or less the structure that protects outside the tooth, okay? And despite that we see that they are very firm and strong, they need to breathe, eat, and keep healthy. Sometimes this shield that I protect them start to decay and is causing the cavities, okay? What is uh, the source of this acid-producing bacteria? And is the streptococcus mutant that is the most related with that. Clinical findings is usually asymptomatic in early stages. Can produce later on toothache. Sometimes the tooth is decay and teeth might become brown or black and soft. Okay? The diagnostic studies is usually is the x-ray because the, is a, if the composition is more similar to the bone. We need to see the hard structures. The best things to see them is through the x-ray. Okay? And they are going to tell us if the apex or the component that is attached to the bone is healthy or not. Sometimes you can see that it's just the structure outside, but inside is completely gone. If you blow harder, your tooth is going to be blowing too, okay? Because it's not anywhere to be attached. That usually is the roots of the tooth are the different ones. The x-ray is going to tell us if it's necessary to do a root canal or do other treatments to save that tooth. The treatment. Of course, we're not going to do that, but it's important to refer to the dentist for repair or extraction. Usually, if I know wrong, they classify it accordingly how deep they are, according which area it is, and also because we don't have uh, the same dentition everywhere, the incisive, the canines have a different treatment that they have the molars. Molars usually, uh, you can play a little bit more because it's more room, okay? But the other ones are more sensitive to work with, okay? Incision and drainage of dental abscess is present, okay, if it's present, like severe toothache, swelling, and redness. And that is important because if the soft tissue is damaged and plus you have a cavity, you can have two big problems. One, you're going to lose your dentition. Two, you're going to start to damage the bone and the other tooth can be affected because this can produce an osteomyelitis, okay? Um, sometimes you need a root canal with crown, oral antibiotics, saline rinses, and instruction patients on proper oral and dental hygiene. This is very common in children. Why? Because they don't have a steel, the skills in the hand to do the proper brushing, okay? Sometimes you're going to see that, you know, the, the, our classmates are here, they were in dental hygiene, the experts in education of that. But they made the story short, usually you have to brush uh, up and down and circle emotions on the, on the backs, okay? The kids are not going to do this. What they do when they are younger is they grab it like a knife, okay? 15 minutes remaining, 15 minutes. And they think they are doing a beautiful job. And they don't even open to clean it inside. Less the surface that they are together, they're not going to do this neither, okay? If they do it in one side, they are going to forget another side, okay? This is why the parents, especially them, the parents need to be training that they have to spend two minutes, two times a day, to avoid this as a prevention. On the other hand, I'm awake. <laughs> I think so, <laughs> okay. 
Um, on the other hand, adults, especially elderly, or people with some type of cognitive or mental health issues, doesn't have also the oral hygiene that is necessary to prevent the um, cavities or dental caries. And that is important to also to train the caregivers for this, okay? They don't have the skill or they don't remember or it's part of the disease that they cannot do it. And we have to be vigilant because that is very important with health. For example, diabetic patients, if they have a periodontal disease, the diabetes can be not controlled for the infection that they have in the mouth. And we need to control both in order that the patient has a better quality of life. Okay? Again, a, an instructor on patients on proper oral and dental hygiene. Any questions about cavities? If you have any questions, you have two classmates here, but they are the experts. I'm just the, 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 the no pro. <laughs> but in general, we need to talk about that. Other important thing, and we talk this in geriatrics, is with the cavities, that is going to decrease the quality of the patients, or quality of life for patients that are elder. And if they have cavities and it's pain, they are, can suffer from malnutrition because they're not going to be eating, for example, in that side of the mouth to avoid the pain. One of the big problems that we have in the United States is the, if the medical service is expensive and complex, then that is a luxury in this country. The majority of the times, Medicaid cover, that is the services that for people that has low income, cover very well uh, general health, mental health uh, there, but as soon as you, you reach dental, good luck. I, my daughter has Medicaid hat, because when you adopt a foster child, they keep the Medicaid until they are 18. I don't have problems with any of the other services, despite of the reference that they, every time they, she needs something has to be back to the pediatrician, and they, I, I, I need at least three appointments before I, the appointment that I need. But for dental, oh my goodness. I almost do a voodoo to try to find a one dentist that do a simple checkup and cleaning for my daughter. They send me and they own famous operator numbers call. I think the only place I, I didn't ask was Alaska and Hawaii. Okay? And they sent me a list of providers here in Miami. They approximately 50. I call 35 and they tell me they don't accept that. My daughter called five, and she told me that I have too much patient. I don't know if in the other 10, finally was the solution. But both of us were very disappointed. Because you cannot spend almost five days of your life trying to find a dental provider for a simple prophylactic treatment. Okay? At the end, I made my mama 
finish paying for the services. Okay? But that is a part of the healthcare that we lack a lot. To close this chapter, the other thing is, for example, uh, when we did the, the, one of the years that we did the interdisciplinary with dental, we also work with the women's survival of domestic violence at shelters. And the dental hygiene program provided there 20 cleanings for people, uh, survivors and kids. Um, I was in another meeting that day, and when the social worker called me, you can hear them because they came in a van and to avoid, uh, usually the clinic here is very sophisticated, the dental clinic here, I love them. Uh, usually they do it in several days because they did, they did the cleaning by quadrants, okay? Uh, two superiors, two inferiors. But to avoid the transportation and everything, they prepare that day to do the complete cleaning in one day for children and adults. That means that I, I did my abracadabra magic and we provide lunches for the people to be here. To make the story short, these people were so happy. Women laid in the terrace that that was the first time that they have a dental visit. And the kids, they thought they were in Disneyland. I never heard a child so happy to be in the dentist and in a, a dentist chair. I hate them. I'm scared of that. I don't like them. No, I'm serious. I'm serious. The noises trigger on me all my psychosis and that kind of things, okay? But they were happy. And they were so, Dr. Garces, thank you so much. This was amazing. When that has to be a normal service every single year, at least. Okay? Okay, move on. Gingivitis. It is the inflammation, periodontal disease, due to accumulation of plague between the gingiva and the teeth. Clinical findings can be bleeding gums with light contact, swollen and erythema of gingiva, and tenderness. What is the management? Again, to refer to the dentist for dental cleaning. Repair the teeth if misalignment, treat related illness. Brush teeth at least twice daily, floss teeth nightly, and use antibacterial mouth rinse. Now, they have a new antibacterial mouth rinse, and the first one, they were 100% alcohol that you almost can have a shot, has been changed for those that have more fluoride, and they are not so irritant in the mouth. I did my homework, you see. My students are, yes. <laughs> Other important thing that I didn't mention, tooths are very important in general for our health. We need them to talk, we need them to eat. And it's a very frequent, more than you imagine, that kids has the accident, fell, and the teeth get loose. What are you going to do? <laughs> My dentist students, Keep themselves. What you're going to do? I'm coming here with Petunia, my sweet daughter that she's five years old. And she was pushing a classmate, and the classmate pushed her harder, and she hit, and one of the incisives in the front is loose. Sorry, five is too, is too old. Let me put it back. Two years old, okay? 
She said that they care because I'm a slave of Miami Day, sorry, a professor of Miami Day College, and she needs to be in the daycare, okay? And they call me and I say, guys, I have to leave because my, my daughter has an accident. And I arrive and she is full of blood in the mouth, but the first thing that I notice is that one of the incisive is completely loose. What I'm going to do? What you are going to do when I'm going to the primary care? Took it out? Yes, no? Who thinks it's a good idea to took it out? Guys, we're learning here. Took it out? Who said took it out? Your grandma took it out. I, I know that. Because grandmothers love to took out tooth anytime. Okay. Who thinks it's a good idea to took it out? We're learning, guys. Don't be ashamed. Okay, good. Who thinks it's a good idea to try to save it? And the other ones are between, okay, and the other group is, uh, okay, I'm going to play silly, okay? What do you think? Okay, what do you think is important to remove it? What do you think is important to remove it? That is the logic that the grandma will use, okay? However, tooth doesn't work in that way. They work like a choo-choo trains. If you don't have the guide, the locomotive machine in front, yes, it's going to take away, but you don't know which one, because it's not going to guide the permanent one, okay? Usually what you have to do with that kind of things, if it's really loose, send it to the dentist, and they are going to do the abracadabra, and they are going to try to keep that tooth in place. In case that they have to remove it, they can use a fake one to keep it there and keep the space. Because tooths are very funny. Some of you have been noticed that probably your denture looks different with the time. They were so aligned as you had to be with your two ponytails at the school. Now they have a different alignment. They move, okay? And this is why you don't remove it. Lesson learned. Second thing, sometimes newborn babies born with two insensitive, with little teeth. What are you going to do? Newborn babies can be with a denture ready, oh yes. They look like a little box bunny, but they have it there. What you're going to do? You leave it or you remove it? Who say leave it? Who say remove it? Why you're going to leave it? Okay. It's like, I, I believe on this, but I don't know an idea why I attend to this church. <laughs> okay. Okay. Who else thinks it's a good idea to leave it in a newborn? Why, Ray?
Okay. Okay. Who say no? Who say no? Remove it. We need to remove it. Who say it? Okay. Why? Me. <laughs> Why? I can hear you, so honey. Thank you. Someone who think about mom. The breastfeeding is going to be horrible if it's very difficult without that. Little chop things there, with that is horrible. Which other reason can be to remove it? This is a trial of the baby tooth. This is a trial to baby tooth in newborn babies. Come on, who defends to remove it? Is guilty or not guilty? Come on. Come on, give me evidence. My dental hygiene, what do you think? And that is going to be dangerous, my other dental hygiene student. Why? And you're going to have a baby tooth in the right bronchus. Mm -hmm. They start to suck in, to fight with the breast. Mommy is going to say, stick them in. Okay? Mommy is not going to be happy. Baby is going to start to cry. This one is going to be loose and it's going to be in the right bronchus. Now you have a big problem. You have to remove it. Okay? Yes. That depends. I know the expert in dentition, but the basic, basic one, two, three for dummies, for Dr. Garces. Okay? That depends. They do an x-ray. How deep is? How is the root? Sometimes it's just a little things that you pull it and that's it. Sometimes you have to open it and do an incision. But you need an x-ray to see how is the structure of that baby tooth. I passed my exam in... You have to take the x-rays. If they don't have the other primary, when it's the time they start the dentition, you need to start to put the fake teeth in them, the fake tooth, okay? But the major thing is they remove it because you don't know which moment can be swallowed, okay? That the x-ray, and there that the, the experts of oropharyngeal surgery take the decision. But that is the kind of question that sometimes you're going to find, okay? Get back to the gingivitis. Now, um, the antibacterial. Okay, we have also the gingival overgrowth. This can be hereditary or induced as a side effect of systemic drugs. Of course, has a cosmetic effect. Okay, and it's difficult in this way to maintain a good oral hygiene. Which one are the signs and symptoms? You are going to see in the uh, physical exam that the gingiva appears edematous and bulky with loss of its tippling. That means that the structure is not going to look similar than the other ones. Inflamed gingiva are red and friable. And, mm, 
I like when I, I'm, I'm tired and I type stuff, okay? Uh, laboratory test, you are going to do the CBC with differential count to investigate for leukemia because some leukemias can give a gingival overgrowth. Now, what is going to be the treatment, okay? is a lot of medications, especially those ones that are given to people with transplants that can create this kind of problem, okay? If you cannot reduce, uh, stop, uh, sorry, if you cannot reduce the medication that is creating the problem, try to reduce the dose. And usually with that, the hyperplasia start to recede. Consider to refer for non-surgical periodontal treatment including motivation and oral hygiene instructions, and clean it at least every three months to control plague. Medication. The tracolimus is an alternative for cyclosporine to prevent the transplant rejection. Metronidazole has been used for seven days, or acetromycin for five days, and has been shown that that decreases also um, the hyperplasia. Also, you can indicate chlorhexidine at 12% once before going to bed and biotin <clears throat> mouthwash after meals for patients who are known to have a high risk of gingivitis. Remember that it's going to be very swollen, very frail, and you don't want these patients to have also an infection in that area. Aftos ulcers. Is a common condition of the oral mucosa characterized by multiple erythematous recurrent small ulcers, typically presenting first during childhood and adolescence. Okay? And they are going to look like this one. What is the etiology? Genetic predisposition, 30% of the patients have a positive family history. No data to support infection etiology. Common patients with B12, iron and folic acid deficiency, herpes virus 6, local trauma, increased level anxiety. History and exam, you're going to uh, see oral ulcers that usually heal within 10 days. Which characteristics it has is multiple recurrent and small ulcers. Did you see the word pain anywhere there? That is one going to be one of the things that is characteristics. It's no pain in these ones. Okay? It's not painful. Test to consider the CBC, serum ferritin, serum folate, serum vitamin B12, because we are ruling out that these are any of these deficiencies that is causing this. But viral serology, HIV. HIV has a lot of manifestations in mouth, and we need to be attentive of that. But also a lot of systemic cancers like leukemia use the mouth to show up, okay? Biopsy, inflammatory infiltrates with no evidence of malignancy. Why you do the biopsy? Because sometimes you're going to have patients that have recurrent ones in a short period of time, 
and they start to be anxious that if it's malignant or not. You do the biopsy, but you're going to find that it's not infiltrates. The treatment, the first line of treatment is topical corticosteroids. That is going to be tramcinolone in paste, lidocaine solution for symptoms relief, and antibacterial mouthwash. Horal candidiasis is a fungal infection of the oral mucosa membranes caused by the candida albicans. This is what is the name. Essentially a disease of infants, but it can occur in any age. If you find a candidiasis, an oral candidiasis, if in an adult, the first thing that you need to rule out is HIV. Because probably it, this patient is in the AIDS stage. Okay? Uh, risk factors, children in long-term antibiotics, immunosuppressed patients, stress, diabetes, and use of inhalate corticosteroids. And I want that you keep this in mind. You're going to see uh, the pulmonary section coming soon, and you're going to see what the you, uh, patients with asthma or bronchitis, you have to use the corticosteroid inhalators. You need to train very well your patients how they are going to use it in order that it will be more effective, but also which one is going to be the last steps, the how to keep clean the mouth and the throat after they use it. If not, you can see this kind of lesions in the tongue or in the cheeks. History and exam, white coating in the mouth, particularly in the tongue, mucosa, and hard palate. Easily rubs off, leaving an underlying red surface. How do you distinguish it from milk? Because we say it can happen in, in babies. How you don't distinguish, if, if it's in formula, how you distinguish is candidiasis and is no milk? Milk too. Sorry? History, yes, but in the physical exam. Because you can uh, rob, okay? to try to distinguish if it's formula or if it's candidiasis. Which one is going to be the difference? Yes, Claudia. Can be, but it's something easier than that. Color, you're getting there? Mm -hmm. Correct. When you, you, you scrub off the milk, it's just going to be still white on the bottom. It's going to keep there, okay? Because it's not swollen. As soon as you remove this one, the tissue below is, this guy is killing me, okay? <laughs> and the other one, the tissue is completely normal. You're going to find it still some whitish or probably red, but it's not going to be swollen and easily leaving an underlying very red surface. Okay? Good. And this one is usually 
painful. In a baby, he's not going to tell you the pain is located in the tip of the tongue. It's radiating to the back of the tongue, okay? It's uh, usually continuous. It's related with food. They're not going to tell you that, okay? That means that it's the baby that is going to be fussy. It's going to be miserable, okay? And it's going to be worse when he tried or she tried to eat. Because as soon as you put the bottle inside of the breast, inside of the mouth, guess what? It's going to produce pain. Okay? Treatment, determine the underlying cause and treat it. Topical nystatin oral suspension. Tastes horrible. And you have to tell them to the parents, especially when the kids know now how to spit. You have to tell them that it's going, they have to be fast and furious to clean the mouth. If not, they are going to do it before you finish the procedure, okay? If it's resistant, you're going to use fluconazole, okay? Both are an antimicotics. And of course, refer the immunocompromised patient or failure to resolve. Oral leukoplakia is a predominant white corrugate mouth lesion or white patches. Most commonly is after age 40. Risk factors, tobacco is the most associated, alcohol and oral infections, okay? The clinical presentation is asymptomatic. We know the candida is going to be with pain and the other one is going to be the ulcer and the aftos. Well, it's not too much pain associated with it. White corrugate lesions on tongue, side of the tongue, soft pallor, or floor of the mouth can be in any of these regions. And it's not able to be scraped away because it starts to bleed immediately. Differential diagnosis with candidiasis? You can scrap the candidiasis. It's going to be red, but it's not bleeding. In this one, it's going to be bleeding. Diagnosis, clinical exam, bi biopsy to rule out malignancy and establish definitive diagnosis. And again, we need to check HIV status and rule out other malignancies as a squamous cell carcinoma. This guy likes a lot of tissue, if you notice. It has been showing up in different organs, ear, nose, skin, obviously, and now in the, in the mouth, okay? This is one question that is going to help you out with the diagnosis. If they apply a topical medication recently, because people confuse this with candidiasis. And this is not going to work with the antifungal because it's not the source of the problem. Any history of recent trauma? Do the lesions go away once the trauma is removed? Persist after eliminating etiology factors for six week periods. How does the lesion look like? White that cannot be wiped off? What is location of the lesion? And we say it can be tongue, side of the tongue, soft palate, and the base of the mouth, okay? 
Differentials. Squamous cell carcinoma, candidiasis, and hairy leukoplakia, uh, okay? But you are going to do this through biopsy. And usually is on the lateral side of the tongue, the hairy leukoplakia. The treatment, removal of contributing factors like a smoking cessation, reduction or abstinence from alcohol use. Surgery is considered the first choice treatment by many specialists. It depends on the histology assessment through biopsy sampling and the location. Lateral, floor of the mouth are high risk areas. If they cannot be removed to do the large size or patient's choice, surveillance every three to 18 months, depending on the risk factors. Okay? And this is going to be how you're going to do the differential diagnosis of why all allegations. Why maculas and patches, if it's unilateral, has a topical drug recently been applied to the area? If it's yes, it's a chemical board. If it's no, it's on the edontolus ridge or other side prone to chronic discrete trauma and the lesions disappear once the trauma is removed. If it's yes, it's frictional keratosis. If it's no, okay, it is made the steroid lesions or papules. If it's yes, it's a lesion noise lesions or early leaching planus. If it's not, it is red central area surrounded by fine white sun ray situation. That's, um, we have to rule out lupus. If it's not, on the border of the tongue and form a parallel vertical white patches is hairy leukoplakia. Uh, if it's not, we continue with the questions, okay? This chart is very easy to do the diagnosis, okay? Okay, let's get 10 minutes and we return. And everyone out. But we're going to have one, 45 minutes more and I need everyone to stretch, okay?
Miss President, yes. out.
room sometimes is cold, this room sometimes is hot, sometimes it's freezing, yes. Yes. Okay, it's fine. It's fine. Thank you. Thank you. Lorena Acra, you didn't sign yet. Rocío Domínguez, you didn't sign yet. Ariana Fernández, no signature. Farid, you are in trouble. Jailin, you are in trouble. Najla, you are in trouble too. What tomorrow is everyone is going to be signing first. That's it. <laughs> I'm going to be signing today before tomorrow. Are you still having technical issues with your computer? Okay, let's come back. Guys, you want to leave early? Okay. Let's continue. Perfect. Now we're going to talk about the oral herpes simplex. It's a viral infection that is transmitted by direct contact. If you have a teenager patient that tells you that they don't have sex, but they have herpes simplex, don't believe them. Okay, you have the evidence in front of you. No, we always hold hands, uh-huh. You can hold hands, always. But you are at least kissing very deep, okay? Etiology is the herpes simplex virus, types one and two. And type 1 is the most common in 85% of the cases. Incubation is between 2 to 20 days, usually 2 weeks. After infection, virus migrate to the sensory or autonomic ganglia and becomes dormant. And because it's sleeping there, as soon as you have a stress, UV radiation of certain foods is going to show again. The clinical component is a painful eruption in mucosa 
and most common in the vermilion border. Burning sensation prior to the vesicle formation. It's painful, okay? And the physical exam group of vesicles of an erythematous base that can become two postules that ruptures, okay? The diagnostic can be made clinically. Labs, viral culture, other relations are present. And you're going to do the herpes simple virus uh, PCR. Treatment is antiviral. And this is why the acyclovirin cream is very useful. But also you have the valociclear, famciclovir, and topical antivirals are not recommended. Okay, people like to use acyclovir topically, but the, the real, the treatment has to be oral. Okay, avoid contact with secretions to avoid transmission. That means that you have to put that mouth in quarantine, no kisses for at least two weeks. Be careful with babies, newborn babies and the kissers that are coming to the family when they visit them. Has been more than one case of a newborn baby with herpes simplex, but in a hospital because they don't have a strong immune system because one relative or friend has this one in the mouth and they are the kissers. I come here to kiss you. This is the things that I like from COVID. This is saving more babies than you can imagine, okay? Because everyone is coming and kiss the baby as this, uh, I don't know what. I was the most miserable, unpopular uncle, sorry, auntie. I didn't, I, I, I'm, a, I'm still a female, I didn't change my gender. In life, when my uh, nephew born, all the friends and relatives were, oh, I can't hold it, wash your hands. Can I kiss it? No. What? No. And my sister that <laughs> why do you do this to me? You want to help the baby? Yes. Shut up. <laughs> and he is 25 years old now. Okay? Because people have that bad habit. Why they don't come and kiss my husband in the school? It's the same enthusiasm. Okay? No. Babies are very frail. And you have to treat them in the same way. Okay? Epiglottitis. Is the rapid progression of cellulitis of the epiglottis and surrounding tissues that potential results in acute airway obstruction. The etiology is hemophilus influenzae detected in 25% of the cases. Typical occur in children three, three to eight years old, but can be even in two years or younger. It has the potential to cause airway compromise and should be treated as a surgical emergency until the airway is examined and secure. The etiology, infection of the supraglottis, classically is the hemophilus influenza, but also streptococcus pneumonia, streptococcus aureus, and methyl-resistant staphylococcus. Less common is viral. Red blood possible can be a fungal infection. Traumatic, most common from thermal injury. 
resulting marked edema and inflammation of the epiglottitis. How can occur a thermal injury in the epiglottis? Can be the milk too hot, okay? The food can be too hot, okay? That can create a thermal damage of the epiglottis. Keep in mind, the patients that are surviving for fires at homes or residential or any places, you need to check nose, throat, epiglottis, lungs. Because that air that they are, the fumes, are going to be extremely hot and that can create burns in any of these tissues. Okay? Because the people usually check is the skin and they forget that the people was breathing that. And the heat of that fumes is very intense. It's very high and can produce internal burning too. The history of rapidly and progressing of sore throat, dysphagia, drooling, difficulty breathing, decrease of oral intake, and difficulty controlling secretions. Why? Where you're going to see these signs? What is the function of the epiglottis? That is my YP and my window. Okay, exactly, to, per, to allow the food to go in one way and the air in the other one, okay, perfect. If that start to be swollen, it's going to be possible that the food go in the correct direction. That means that it's difficult for the child to eat and to swallow. Drooling is because even your saliva, you cannot swallow your saliva. Okay, difficult in breathing, and of course, I, in one point, I cannot drink even water. Okay, at the physical exam, the patient appears in acute distress and the tripod position. You see how this baby is sitting? They are trying to lean forward, okay, and to put the legs in that position. Because that helps the glottis to open a little bit. Okay? I might have an strider. We're going to have, let's see if tomorrow I can bring it. Our friend Sam, the student's friend for respiratory. You're going to start to work on that in, in pulmonary. But you're, I wonder you hear the strider. So you hear an strider. It's like the Mexico smell and the parking lot of the, okay, Jackson that is unforgettable. Okay, or the smell of amelena, or the smell of the pseudomonas. As soon as you hear that, you don't need even to do the complete physical exam. If you see the age of the child, you are going to run. Okay, because even the sound is scary. Um, the characteristics, history, and exam findings are often sufficient to diagnose the condition. Laryngoscopy is the key to confirm the diagnosis. Lateral neck x-ray markedly enlarge the epiglottis. Ah. Okay, you see it here? 
Usually you see this in the x-rays. Okay, that is the thumb print. You see here? You can see it, guys, yes or no? Okay. No? Uh, no, you can't? Okay, perfect. Okay. Uh, we're going to do the CBC, and we're going to find a leukocytosis because it's an infection. Remember, it's bacteria the majority of the times causing this. And the culture is going to help you for the treatment. Okay. And this guy has a crown, this little one. That is where he has a cavity too. Okay, treatment. No action should be taken to stimulate the child with suspect epiglottitis. That means that it's difficult, but we have to tell the parents that the child cannot cry, cannot be upset. And it's ironic because guess what we have to need for to save the, this child life? A vein. And do you think a child at three years old is going to tell you, yes, put me the needle here. I'm ready for you. Okay? It's a mission, but you have to do it. Collaboration team with ENT, pediatrician, or an ENT and anesthesiologist. Initial treatment. Diagnostic procedures, examination of the oral cavity, starting intravenous line. If airway is compromised, establish a secure airway with intubation. Empiric antibiotics, and while more proven in controlled trials, they are using to reduce sopraglottitis inflammation. Okay? Preferred approach, nasotracheal intubation, in operating room by ENT and pediatric anesthesiologists. Oral intubation for adults and hospitalization in the intensive care unit. This is an emergency, guys. Child is going to be blue, purple, and black in front of you in minutes. Laryngitis. It refers to the inflammation of the larynx, infectious, and guess what? This is the typical manifestation also of allergies. When you have an anaphylactic shock, epiglottitis plays an important role in that. And this is why it's so important that you ask your patients, do you have any allergies? Yes, no. To who? Can you describe for me which one was your reaction? Okay. Laryngitis, okay? Is the inflammation of the larynx. Infections, the most common are the rhinovirus, influenza, Adenovirus and measles. Bacteria can be beta-hemolytic streptococcus, anemophilus influenzae type B, and fungal can be candidiasis. No infections can be irritative laryngitis, allergic, traumatic, heavy vocal use, and reflux laryngitis. And this is very common, the reflux laryngitis. A lot of people is going to the primary care doctor because they have problems with their voice, 
and it's really a gastrointestinal problem that is causing this, especially uh, when they fall asleep and they are completely flat, all the acids go to, through the esophagus and start to damage the vocal cords, okay? Is acute, lasts less than 10, seven days. Chronic, can be persistent symptoms for three weeks or longer. Okay? If you see the normal larynx is going to be in the top, and you see the vocal cords and the space that you have to vibrate. In the inflammatory larynx, this is why your voice changes. Number one, the vocal cords are swollen too, but also the tissue around is swollen and the space between to the uh, trachea to pass the air is narrow, okay? What are going to be the uh, symptoms and signs? The hoarseness, okay, is the most characteristic. Sore throat, dysphagia, odinophagia, cough. What is one is the difference between odinophagia and dysphagia? Okay, which one is? Farid, because you didn't sign, it's your turn. Uh huh. It's what? It's pain. Okay. Any concept that is different? Okay, that is the answer. But remember also that this failure can have different stages. And that is going to be important to determine some diseases in the patients. Some dysphagias are only here in the oral cavity and it's early dysphagias. And that means that they, when you're going to start to swallow, the patient is going to tell you it's difficult. Other ones, they are going to tell you that they feel that the food is stuck in one point, okay? You need to distinguish if it's an early or late one because that is going to help you with the diagnosis. Cough, gastroesophageal reflux, history of heavy vocal use, fatigue and malaise, fever, cervical lymphadenopathy, drooling and stridor. Okay? Then, um, if we use the laryngoscopy, we are going to find edema and erythema in the vocal folds white and yellow, and yellow secretions, oropharyngeal cultures. We are going to do the CBC and rapid step test, okay? Despite the virals are the, mask, the more common, you need to do the step test, okay? The treatment requires an understanding the cause of the disease. Voice rest, they not clear the throat. Why? You are using it as soon as you do. You are using the collaboration, okay? That is not going to remove any mucus there and it's going to damage the vocal cords. Okay? 
smoking and alcohol cessation because they are in irritants, and vaping. Vaping is very, very related with laryngitis too, okay? Hydration, treat the underlying cause and review on antibiotics for acute laryngitis in adults reveal that there are no benefits to use of antibiotics to treat acute laryngitis because most of them are viral, okay? If your strep test give you negative, treat it as a viral, okay? Okay. Acute pharyngitis. Is inflammation of the pharyngeal and or tonsillar tissue frequently caused by an infection. Can be a viral infection. That is the 90% of pharyngitis. You know now the laryngitis and pharyngitis can be more viral than other ones. Bacterial agents can be streptococcus pyogenes group A. The gonococcal pharyngitis can be caused by gonorrhea. Mycoplasma pneumonia and chlamydia pneumonia are less common. Epstein-Barr virus, candida albicans, okay, and most common is in patients between five to 18 years old. Be attentive about gonorrhea and gonococcal pharyngitis. It's more common than you imagine because a lot of people is practicing a lot of oral sex, okay, without condoms. Because people have the association of the to wear condoms is when you're going to have anal or vaginal sex. And the problem that this is causing is because a lot of people is self-medicating with antibiotics when they have laryngitis and pharyngitis. And some doctors or providers give antibiotics and don't give time to so, uh, solve the problem with uh, symptomatic treatment, this has been creating resistance to antibiotics for gonorrhea. And we, as a healthcare providers, we are creating the super gonorrhea. And because we don't have enough problems, this is not easy to treat. This patient has to be in the hospitals, and you need to contact all the per people that that person has sex with because it spread very fast. It's very common in people that travel to Asia with sex tourist intentions, okay? Keep that in mind if in the travel history something going to Asia, okay? History and exam. Acute onset of for bacterial, more insidious onset for viral, cervical adenopathy, odinophagia, sore throat, mild to severe, fever, can be higher than 101 with group A strep if viral is going to be a low grade fever, malaise, fatigue, headache, but overall is no cough. If it's an STD, history of oral sex or sexual abuse. If fungal, history of antibiotic use, immunosuppression, or use of inhalate corticosteroids. Okay?
As always, we insist the physical examination, a good history, usually give you a lot of information, but in this kind of diseases, 50% is only with that, of the diagnosis. What you're going to find in the physical examination? White yellow exudates of tonsils and pharynx can be group A strep. Posterior cervical adenopathy can be Epstein-Barr virus. Uh, anterior cervical adenopathy, group A strep. Enlarged spleen, Epstein-Barr virus. Do you remember I told you that some diseases that are infectious diseases, usually when you do your physical exam, the focus physical exam, if the patient has fever and sore throat, you need to examine lungs, okay, lymph nodes, ear, nose, but abdomen. That is going to give you some differential diagnosis, okay? And redness of the pharynx. Uh, again, the diagnostic studies are going to be rapid strep antigen. If it's negative, in patients with high probability of strep, sent to the culture. Throat culture is the gold standard for diagnosis of group A beta-hemolytic streptococcus. Monospot is indicated for suspicion of mononucleosis. Okay? And CBC, elevated white blood cells, if it's bacteria. And you're going to see here how it's going to be the acute pharyngitis. Okay? Now, you notice this one? The left one? You see how red and swollen it is? This one is going to be what? Bacterial or viral? Viral, okay? And you see the other one? How you know that it's, it's a good chance that it's more bacterial than other things because you see the exudates there, okay? Now, the treatment, usually because it's more bacterial, when it's bacterial, sorry, is penicillin, 50 milligrams, twice a day. If you're allergic to penicillin or the patient is allergic to penicillin, use erythromycin or acetromycin. Recurrence, if it's happening again, augmenting or clindamycin. Fluorochlamydia or mycoplasma in children, erythromycin. In adults, doxycycline or acetromycin. Okay? For gonococcal, sestriacion, 125 to 200 milligrams intramuscular. Viral, supportive care with salt water gargles and analgesic for pain. Epstein-Barr, avoid contact sports, no amoxicillin, and supportive care. And candidiasis, nystatin. Okay? Patients with recurrent pharyngitis may benefit from tonsillectomy. Any patient with edema or symptoms affecting the breathing transferred to the hospital. What is the major concern that we're going to have with this kind of patients? Is the rheumatic fever, epiglottitis, otitis media, sinusitis, and pneumonia. Okay? 
Remember, especially the streptococcus, they release a toxin that is going to be very bad for the joints and the heart. Peritonsillar abscess, abscess formation between anterior and posterior tonsillar pillars and the superior pharyngeal constrictor muscle. The results as a complication of tonsillitis, peritonsillar cellulitis, mononucleosis, and typically happens before the age of 30. Etiology is microbial. Usually so they are anaerobics. Okay? You are going to see the abscess, in fact, and some clinical findings, such as severe sore throat, fever, odinophagia, anterior chain adenopathy, drooling, trismus or locked jaw, hot potato voice, an asymmetry of orofangir pharynx with uvula deviation. Okay? You can see it, it's here. And the patient say ah, and look, the uvula is deviated. Okay? Diagnostic exams are going to be white blood cells, and they are going to find a leukocytosis. CT scan is going to show an abscess and edema, abscess extension of soft tissue infection, fluid for aspiration, and you are going to culture that. Treatment is going to be surgical drainage. Antibiotics is going to be penicillin and clindamycin to improve anaerobic coverage. Usually what they do is they open it and drain it completely, okay? Do you see all the fluid that is there in the syringe? That is possible. Okay. This is uh, why. Okay. This is the light, but they, you can, they are draining an abscess and look all the fluid that is coming out. Do you think that is going to be painful? It is. And it's very dangerous because the patient can be toxic very fast. Okay. Now, saliodenitis. Is the inflammation and swelling of the parotid and some mandibular glands caused by mechanical obstruction due to cellulitis or calculus in the salivary uh, waste? Orthodontal anomalies might also reduce the salivary output and thus predispose the individuals to bacterial cyaledinitis. Acute adult suppurative cyaledinitis may be caused by bacteria. Also, this can be Staphylococcus aureus and Haemophilus influenzae. Okay, if you notice here, it's swollen in the submandibular. And you notice, which structure is this one? It's in the buccinator. The extensions. This is why it's so important. Sadly, you couldn't practice a lot due to COVID to really do the palpations of the extensions in the buccinator because sometimes you can feel the calculus inside. Okay? 
history and exam, unilateral or bilateral painful swelling of the parotid or mandibular regions, facial swelling, posts existing from major salivary gland ducts, orifices, spontaneously or after manipulation, and dysphagia, okay? This is what is so important, the bimanual exploration. Diagnostic tests, if you find any exudates, culture uh, them and to see how sensible and, uh, they are for some antibiotics. CBC, elevated if bacterial infection is present. Facial x-ray, you are going to see the calculus, okay, if they are present. And CT scan, imagine modality of choice for evaluation of salivary stones. But if you see here, in the x-ray, what do you think is this? The stones. All of this is stones. You think that we have only calculus in our kidneys? This is painful, guys. It's very uncomfortable. And as soon as you release that, the patient is going to love you forever. Okay? Sialadenitis. The treatment is going to be access to airway, stridor, use of accessory muscles, nasal flaring, wheezing, increased respiratory rate, need of the airway management. This is very dangerous in children, okay? Remember in children, the oral and neck is very small, and everything that happens is going to be swollen so fast, it's going to create a big problem, especially in the respiratory system. Primary care management, conservative approach. If it's secondary infection, ampicillin, augmentin, cephalexin, and vancomycin. Intravenous fluids. If it's acute bacterial, broad spectrum antibiotics, hydration, analgesic. If abscess is identified, we need to do the surgical incision and drainage. Parotitis. is inflammation of the parotid glands. And it's the most common among the inflammations of the salivary glands. This is when you do the physical exams, you repeat mechanically that you are looking on the face of the patient to see if it's any asymmetry or any parity enlargement. Okay? We can have in parotitis acute viral inflammation diseases like mumps, and we are going to talk about this one. This is produced for a paramyxovirus, can be acute, bilateral, swelling of the parotid glands accompanied by pain, erythema, tenderness, malaise, fever, and occasional trismus. Peak incidence in young children aged four to six. This is why it's so important to have the vaccines of day, okay? Incubation period is between 14 to 21 days. The disease is highly contagious. Diagnosis can be confirmed with serological tests. 
lab, you are going, you can order the antibodies for mumps S, V, and hemagglutination antigens can confirm the diagnosis. Differential diagnosis, you are going to see all these diseases in infectious diseases next term. It's going to be the Kosaki virus, Cytomelagovirus, Influenza A, HIV, and Echovirus. Remember that children can have HIV too. Okay? Complications are rare, but when they happen, can be meningitis, encephalitis, hearing loss, orchitis. What is orchitis? Inflam mm -hmm. Inflammation of the testes. Okay? Pancreatitis and nephritis. And this is the disease that I use when the people ask me, but the COVID-19 vaccines give, no. It's the diseases that can give you problems like orchitis, not the vaccines, okay? Treatment and prognosis, self-limiting, and treatment is primarily symptomatic. Any questions? Okay, beautiful people, go have your cookie Oreo, your milk, sleep an hour, Reset, get ready for farm, and I'm going to teach you, sorry, to teach you tomorrow at, at, at 10. Okay? Have a wonderful afternoon, and I hope that you are going to be completely successful tomorrow in your exam. Farid, come to sign.